It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Friday, May 29th, 2020. We are almost to the month of June. Our last show of the week, our last show of the month of May. We are almost there. When this all started, I did not think we'd get to those summer months, but here we are. We are almost there. We're going to take a few days off here over the weekend, recharge the batteries, and come back strong on Monday with a full slate of guests for next week already. Tell you about those later on, but man, what a month it's been. It's flown by for me, maybe not for everyone else. It's just, uh, I'm so excited that time is moving forward at a, at a decent pace anyway. <laughs> maybe not for everyone, but for me, it has uh, flown by. I've stayed busy, uh, stayed busy with this podcast. has been helpful. Uh, it's been a, a blessing uh, to to be able to get on here and, and talk with people and, and just talk about my thoughts as well. So uh, yeah, I can't believe June is is fast approaching. It'll be here uh, on Monday. <laughs> just crazy stuff. Uh, I want to thank everyone who's been on the show this week: uh, Dave Gimby, Renzo Roel, Bill Barnes, and yesterday Paul Clark. What a guy he is, huh? All that energy, the enthusiasm. He right off the bat, he was so much fun to talk to, and I look forward to talking with him again in the near future, hopefully at a real Hondo Pro football game in the fall. Today we have Mars Cerna on the program. He is a member of the Fontana School Board. He also works for the San Bernardino County Office of Education. Him and I used to referee basketball together at the high school level, so we'll have a chance to uh, talk about a little bit of everything with him. It's been a while, so it was fun to sit down and, and record a fun episode with him. Looking forward to listening to that and get us around third and home safe for the weekend. Like I said, a couple days off. We'll come back strong for you on Monday. Uh, there have been a lot of protests over the past few weeks regarding opening the country back up. A lot of that here in Southern California and, and other places. But uh, there's been some more recent protests regarding the death of uh, the suspect in Minneapolis uh, by the four police officers who had him handcuffed. And, uh, you know, had some very questionable uh, tactics they used that, that people are very upset about. It's a very sad situation with the loss of life. I won't go too much into that. Bill and I talked about that this last Wednesday. We'll talk about a lot, a lot more, I'm sure, this coming Wednesday. As he and I pretty much cover current events and kind of what's going on. And I like always talking uh, things like that with him as a former police officer and everything. I will say this, though, about the, the protests. I, I kind of knew they were coming. I think we all did. But but what's frustrating, disappointing to me is the, the, the turn it kind of took, specifically here in Los Angeles. Uh, you see American flags being burned. You're seeing cop cars being uh, destroyed and attacked. And, and that, to me, is just is over the line. Uh, I know some people say I don't have a right to say what's over the line, and, and that's fair. It is what it is, but but I have to publicly say that that to me is going too far. If you want to protest, you want to voice anger, that is uh, our rights as Americans. We, we have the, the right to protest, and, and that's been a subject of debate over the past couple of years. But, uh, you know, I think we got to be careful as far as uh, how far we let our actions go. There was a bunch of other protests regarding this COVID-19 and opening up, right? But I haven't really seen any turn too violent. And I know this current protest is over someone who died in police custody. But I still think we have to approach this with a certain order. I mean, we can't. Yes, we don't. We talked already about a police state and everything earlier on regarding when people uh, just doing what you're told type thing about getting in line at a at a target or you know you can't go to the beach you can't do this okay but when we start attacking uh police cars and burning american flags i i just i don't know that to me we're losing sight of of uh the issues i think if we do that and and, and i'm sure there's plenty of people that disagree with me on that but for me i, I just i think we got to be careful and that's frustrating to see to say the least i just 
it's uh, it's very unfortunate. The entire situation is unfortunate. I, I don't think there's anyone who who says you know can defend what the police officers did. Um, it's just very unfortunate, and they've already been fired. Uh, there's going to be more to come of it. They're going to be prosecuted. The highest levels uh, have, have said that already. So we'll see what happens. But I think it's more than goes with without saying that I, I understand that people are going to protest and voice their opinions. But but man, we got to be careful about crossing lines because uh, if if we don't have order in the streets, then what do we have? You know what I mean? So we'll get off of that now, and <laughs> we'll we'll talk more of that stuff with Bill Barnes on Wednesday for his uh, weekly appearance next week. I will let you know about all the guests we have next week. Uh, at the end of the show, I will also post that for us on Facebook uh, for the uh, and Twitter next week, a schedule, if you will. We're kind of doing that over the weekends as well just to try to keep everyone informed, everyone involved. But if you haven't had a chance to listen to this week's shows, they are up. They're still up. You can go back and listen to any show you like at any time. We operate through the Anchor app, but wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple, many other platforms, we appreciate your listenership, and you should be able to go back and listen to any shows that you, that you would like. So we appreciate the support. We say it every single episode. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll get right to the Mars Cerna interview. So sit back and enjoy. Okay, joining us today is a really good friend of mine, Mars Cerna. He works for the San Bernardino County Office of Education. He's also a member of the school board for the Fontana School District. We'll touch on all of that. I know him as a former basketball official, a colleague of mine. We met up and officiated many a games together. So, Mars, welcome to the program. Thank you, my friend. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's a little overcast, a little, a little rainy this morning i uh, can't complain and if i did who who'd listen right we're, we're not coaches we're officials we we try not to uh, complain we try to move forward right that's right brother that's right working as a team <laughs> well mars uh we'll talk some basketball i'm sure but tell me a little bit about your current uh your current occupation you work at like i mentioned the san Bernardino county of education you're, you're a family engagement specialist you also are a fontana school board member so kind of touch on all of that if you would yeah, so um, I've been blessed to work for the San Bernardino County of Office of Education now for four years. Um, my, my role is to work with families and community partners and bringing them to the forefront in education, helping families understand the education system and how to advocate for their students. And then our community partners, how do they support our students and our families so that they can get a good education. And then the other role as a school board member is governance. And so my role there is to help the superintendent in Fontana set some direction, uh, really give some uh, light to the work of education, you know, bring my perspective. As I, as I tell people, I'm one fifth of the governance team because there's five of us on the school board that have different ideas, different opinions, different perspectives. So I bring the perspective of an educator. I also bring a perspective of a parent and a grandparent of three children in the district and two, two of my own children. Actually, it's one of my biological children, but I'm also raising a 10-year-old niece right now. We're fostering her, and she's in the district. So five total children in the Fontana School District. So I bring that perspective. Absolutely. It's, uh, it, it hits home, right? You're, you're representing other people, but, but you also have a, a little, little bit of interest in your, you, with your kids being in the district. And what was that like? What was the process to become a school board member in Fontana? Well, you know, um, I worked for the, the district for about 15 months, and I always joke with people, I, I worked there for 15 months of purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I say that is when I was there, there were some things that were just happening that just, in, in my opinion, were not right. And I had discussions with some of the leadership there and, you know, no changes were happening. And so when I left the district to go work for the county office, um, I did a lot of, you know, talking to mentors and a lot of praying. And I said, you know what, if, I, if I'm going to create change and I'm an advocate, I'm a community organizer by trade. I need to, to be a part about, uh, about this. And so what I decided to do is run for school board in 2016. There was two seats open. Um, I didn't win. I took third in that election. Uh, so I didn't 
get a seat, but there was a vacancy in that election where uh, one of the school board members won a seat on city council. So I tried to get appointed. That process became very political. I started to learn around politics and perspectives and opinions. And so the, the current board at that time voted 2-2 to not appoint me or another individual that was trying to get appointed. And so we had a special election in 2017 and then I won my seat. And then from there, I only had a year term. And so then I had to run again in 2018 for a four-year term. So now I'm on the board until 2022. But I did run in three consecutive ele elections from 16, 17, and 18 for a seat on the school board. Wow. And, and were you a member of, uh, were you working for the San Bernardino County Office of Education before that, uh, going into that? How long have you kind of been in that role? Yeah, so in May of 2016, I, um, I started working at the county office, and around July, I decided that I was going to run for school board of that same year, and I had to consult, you know, my boss there at the county office, and his name is Ted Alejandre, and he was very supportive. He said, you know, Mars, uh, you have the experience. Go give it a shot and see what happens, and so I did, and again, like I said, I didn't win. But uh, I, it was it was good exposure. I learned a lot about the political system. I learned about elections. I didn't know how how much it costs to run an election. Like in a city like Fontana, with about eighty five thousand registered voters, it could cost you sixty thousand dollars to run an election. And that's you know pamphlets and signs and and walking precincts and doing Facebook ads and all mm -hmm. of that. And and the crazy part about this for me is the learning process of $60,000 to run an election and a school board member in a local office like mine only makes $750 a month. Think about mm -hmm. that. So there's some <laughs> inequities there, but you have such huge influence. I think that's the part that people would understand that when you are on that school board, you're a huge influencer and you have to use your influence in a positive way for students. So that's been the learning process. And I'm still learning. I mean, I'm in on the seat now for two and a half years, and I, I learn every day. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's great story and great information there. I think it, it sounds like it's definitely a, if, a position that you're trying to serve. It's definitely not one of these, like, power trip <laughs> situations. It's definitely you're getting involved in this because it's something that you feel strongly about and really want to uh, give back to the community. Yeah, you know, Matt, I've been involved in education, recreation, as you know, as an official and also working for several municipalities, running sports programs and then human services for the last 36 years of my life. And so to give back to my own community where I live, it's it's been a, a, a huge experience. It's been a blessing. I've met a lot of people through the process. I also lost a lot of friends. I think people don't understand that when you run for political office, those that you think are your mm -hmm. friends. Uh, sometimes fall off the, uh, you know, the apple tree and they say, you know what, we're done. And, and they, they keep it moving. And, and I kept it moving. But it's it really is an enlightening process because you those that you think are your friends really aren't your friends. But the ones that are and they stick through it with you, you know, you get to know that they're there for you and they got your back, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's really interesting to, to hear about that. And, you know, I remember seeing your posts and, and all those things. I was uh, really rooting for you to to. Uh, Get, get elected. And, and I'm really glad you, you're, you're in the position you are now because I've known, I know that you've worked hard uh, for it for a long time. You're a great guy. You're someone who I'll tell you this in just our brief interactions, Mars, you know, you, you are a listener. You will listen to kind of things I have to say. Uh, and this is mostly about basketball, but you and I have shared a few, uh, a few meals and a, and a few pops after basketball games and just talked about anything really and, you know, you're someone that you listen and, and you're easy to communicate with. And I think that is so important. Thank you, Matt. You know what? I've always admired you, uh, even though you and I joke a lot. And, you know, I've got that nickname for you, Buddy Lee. And, <laughs> and my 14-year-old son back eight years ago, you know, always called you blue. But I'll tell you this. Uh, this, is, this is all true stuff, right? Like, I have always had an ultimate respect for you because I always told you, like, you're just, I think, a year older than my oldest son. <laughs> Um, he's 31 right now. So I think you're in those, you know, early thirties and, um, but you were so mature. You had your stuff together all the time and, and took care of business. I always remember people like JT or who right now, as you know, are NBA official right now. And, you know, he'd always come and speak to us about 
take care of the little things, take care of the business of the business. You remember that quote when he would talk yeah, to us? Yeah, absolutely. And you, and you were one of those guys that would say, you know, I got to take care of the business. And you always did that. And you had the ultimate respect of coaches and other officials. And that's an amazing thing to have, particularly at, at the young age that you started officiating. So, you know, hats off to you as well. <laughs> well, I really appreciate that. And, you know, there, there's so much more to officiating. I, I do multiple sports or I did at one point, you know, you and I just work basketball together, but there's so much more to officiating basketball than getting plays right. Because even if you get plays right, someone's typically upset. And yes, we do miss some, but there's so much more that goes into it as far as managing a game, managing people. And I think your strength on the basketball court was because of the experiences you've had in your career in education and everything. So talk about maybe the correlation to those two things. You know what, Matt, I'll tell you this. I, I joke with people all the time when I sit on the dais. So every, every public meeting, we have what's called public comment and people come up to our public comment dais and generally are, are most people are very respectful and positive, but they do, they do yell at us or, or give us feedback around, issues in the district that aren't just right and so they come up and they get five minutes to speak to us but I will say this that all the time that I would spend on that 84 by 50 hardwood floor getting yelled by two different coaches getting yelled by the assistants getting you know talked about by players and then those fans in the stands I think prepared me to run for political office in a local you know school board because I, I can I can listen to them as you said I really try to be a listener and if it's something that they're complaining about, I take it all in stride and see how we can work on it. And, you know, as an official, you know, if you if you didn't see a call, even though you might get yelled at, your next play down the floor, you're really working hard to get in position and say, okay, maybe I did miss it. Maybe that coach was right. Um, let me see if I was out of position and get in that position and work hard so that you don't miss the next call. And I think that's the same thing in the political arena, right? If there's something not going right in the system, and someone's bringing it to your attention, how can I help fix what's broken in the system so that my constituents who I serve get served well? Because at the end of the day, as a basketball official, you're serving, you know, those 10 players on the basketball court, you're serving the coaches that are fighting for their kids, and you're also serving the fans. And so that's been that's been my biggest, uh, I think, takeaway from officiating and running for politics is they both work hand in hand. And the biggest thing is the relationships, right? You step on the floor, you have to have relationships with the players, the coaches, not so much with the fans so much because you don't really talk to them, but the relationships between that 84 by 50 square foot hard floor is, is an important piece. So I think if there's any takeaways, Matt, they both run hand in hand for anybody that's in this kind of work. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Mars, the, the county that you're in, look at San Bernardino County. I mean, make no mistake about it. The, the, the city of San Bernardino is one thing, but you know, you have a very difficult job because that is a, that is an area that, that is struggling and has struggled for a while. And I'm really glad that, you know, you are starting to make improvements in there, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't think there it's a, it's a secret that, that that County has struggled for a while and you are, you definitely have some really tough challenges ahead for you to, to be involved in that area? Well, it's the largest county uh, in the nation, if you think about it. It covers a lot of square footage. Uh, there's about, you know, 2.2 million people right now in the county of San Bernardino, 33 school districts, about 405,000 students, uh, and many of them come from, you know, communities of poverty, and so the goal in our educational system is, and how do we allow kids that are coming from poverty-stricken homes to get an education, to become self-sufficient in their lives in some way, somehow? Mm -hmm. And those are the challenges right now. And then, you know, employment opportunities. What kind of jobs are in the Inland Empire that kids that are becoming young adults can have a livable wage? And I think those are some of the challenges that we're having right now is that, you know this, the Inland Empire is a huge logistics uh, um, you know, center, uh, you know, I think you live in the community out, you know, towards the Riverside County border there mm -hmm. of, of the, uh, you know, Eastvale kind of Norco area there. <laughs> I remember you saying that, and you see all the warehouses going up, up and down the 15 corridor, the 10, the 60, the 215, uh, trucks going everywhere. 
you know, those are great jobs, but they're entry level jobs. And the, and the thing is, but they don't pay well enough. Mm-hmm. But the problem is we have 22% of our residents in, in the county that have a bachelor's degree. So that means 80% of our families don't do not, or we'll say 78, just to be accurate, 78% don't have bachelor's degrees. And so we have to have those individuals find jobs that they can, they can do because they don't have that higher education attainment. And so our goal in education is how do we increase bachelor attainment rates so that we can really recruit and bring on higher level paying jobs, right? You think of the cities like Irvine, who is like the med tech capital of the world, they have high paying jobs because the educational attainment rate higher. Mm-hmm. In the Inland Empire, Riverside and San Bernardino counties, it's not. And so our goal is how do we do that? How do we grow more kids going to college? And I'm not saying every kid's going to college. How do we bring in trades where kids can get good jobs coming out of high school and then become self-sufficient through their through their adult lives? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, living out here now for a year or so, I've definitely seen you know, the expansion and things. Yeah, it, it is constantly growing. And I, I understand, yeah, there's a big difference out here versus Orange County, especially like South Orange County. So those are some really valid points. You know, you talked about college, Mars, and, and you are in also on top of all this, an adjunct professor or uh, for San Bernardino Valley College. So what can you tell me about that experience, what that's like, how long you've been a teacher, and if you had any teaching experience before then? Yeah, so I've always worked in education and I've always been part of what they call the classified staff. And so I've always been more of a support person versus an in-classroom person. But as, as I went through my, my personal educational journey after graduating from the University of Redlands with my master's degree, I would do some guest lectures over at San Bernardino Valley College. And uh, because of those guest lectures, one of the deans there said, you know, we'd love to have you as an adjunct. You know, adjuncts are part-time and and we'd love to see if you could take your content, your information, and teach our students what you know. And so I was very fortunate to get hired. And I work in the Human Services Department of, of San Marino Valley College. And I work with students that are right now trying to get on their feet and be, and be part of what they call the helping people's professions. So what I mean by that is many are going in to be counselors. They're going to be nurses, doctors. Uh, they're going to be social service workers. They're going to go out and help people get better in whatever they need help with. And so I go in and I teach and I work around relationships, cultural proficiency, understanding the dynamics of cross-cultural communication. Those are the kind of things I work with in those students. And I tell you what, it has been a valuable job because most adult students that come into Valley College are trying to get better at, at, at what their life was like. So like if they've had some challenges in their life, they're trying to improve on those challenges so they can make a difference in the world that we live in. Absolutely, man. That's uh, that's great stuff. Powerful stuff. I, I think you are knowing you as I've known you, you know, you, you're a perfect guy for this stuff. You, you're, you're, you're outgoing. We already talked about you being a listener. Uh, you, you, you want to get things done. And, and I think you're, you're doing great things. And I'm just happy that we have an opportunity to actually hear about the details and t- tell other people about it. Cause you know, these, these types of things, at least I don't, you don't, you're not always aware of uh, completely, you know, you hear little things or bullet points, but not quite in detail. So thank you for sharing all that with us. Well, I appreciate you giving me a platform to be able to share this. And, you know, I'm so proud of you for having this podcast. Uh, it's an amazing thing. I've always thought about doing it myself. Uh, you probably remember I used to have some, some short-time radio experience at uh, uh, Cal State Fullerton where I was a, an intranet DJ on TitanInternetRadio.com back in the day and had so much fun doing that. And then I see you here on this podcast and I think, I wonder if I could just – Start doing it. I could, I could be Buddy Lee when I grow up. Oh, yeah. Hey, man, like I said in the, uh, you know, the advertisement intro, if I can do it, you can do it. It's uh, <laughs> that's kind of how it is. Uh, well, well, speaking of DJs, Mars, you know, uh, you used to do some part time uh, DJ work as well at, at weddings and various things. Have you done any more of that recently or, uh, you know, are you still kind of working that? You know, what's funny is um, I, I have all my equipment, I have all my stuff, and I was going to do a couple gigs in May for some friends. If I do anything right now, Matt, is it's very, very part-time. Like, mm-hmm. I, I did it for so much, so long. I enjoyed it. I made great money. 
But now, you know, like I like being home on Friday and Saturday nights because I work all week and I do so much right now. And so DJing is just something that I'm not really like passionate about. But if someone asks me, you know, Mars, hey, can you DJ my wedding? And it's a close friend. I'm always honored to be able to do that kind of work. And so I was going to do it. But with COVID, you know, all the large gatherings got canceled. And so my weddings that I was going to do, I was going to do two in, in, in this month of May, got canceled. So I guess that was a sign of God saying, we don't want you DJing. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> just a little break, just taking a little breather, right? That's all. I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be plenty of, uh, <laughs> plenty of business after this uh, lockdown gets uh, li- lifted and everything. So yeah, I remember you telling me stories about that. You thought that was so cool. And, and of course I went to Fullerton like you did. Wasn't quite the, uh, the DJ radio star that you were. Uh, but there's definitely, I don't know if you can call that star, dude. It was internet radio at a college radio station. (laughs) Hey, Um, that's the fun part about that was I got free tickets at the house of blues at the, uh, uh, what is that? Disneyland walk. Yeah. At the time I would get free tickets to those concerts at the house of blues, but that was the only perk other than that. That's it. (laughs) Hey, all the experiences, uh, in our lives matter. And I'm sure you had a lot of fun, even if it wasn't uh, as lucrative as, Maybe you thought it would be. Uh, I could tell you the same thing from here. This isn't, you know, this isn't def- uh, career or anything. This is just a lot of fun and a chance to catch up with people. I-, I started it just as a place to ramble, and I still have those days. But in general, I started bringing people on, and it I build some momentum. I'm like, man, I could talk to a lot of different people from so many various uh, backgrounds and fields. All the people I know, and you know, we, we have this this quarantine lockdown, so it's been a great opportunity to catch up with people. Well, I love it. I hadn't seen you in a long time and we hadn't talked, like you said earlier in, in person for quite a while. So what an opportunity I'm, I'm enjoying this. I just need to crack open a beer right now and then we could just keep going. Right. Like, you know, we're not sitting at Chili's, but still, yeah, at least get the atmosphere going. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's spice it up a little bit. Let's have a little more, uh, you know, uh, you know, a nickname I have for you. It was, I wasn't my original, but you know, Mars has this identical resemblance to the NFL wide receiver, Heinz Ward, who played for the, the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, he looks exactly like him. And and so I refer to him as Heinz a lot. Uh, didn't, didn't you have a – weren't you Heinz Ward for Halloween one year or something, Mars? I did. I, I put on, you know, the number 86, Heinz Ward, and uh, walked around, and I took celebrity photos with people. It was uh, quite, a, quite an experience, but – I wish I had his money. I'll tell you that. Oh, and, and his athletic ability. Because look, I, I was an athlete. No, no joke. But not like that. That dude is is an amazing. <laughs> was an amazing receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And and uh, yeah, I do kind of look like him. But that dude was just an, a stud. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll post a picture of you before we do this. And yeah, I I may put in parentheses <laughs> Heinz Ward. Uh, I loved your work in the Dark Knight movie. Uh, the Dark Knight Rise. Funny dude. Oh man, but uh, you mentioned it. You you called me uh, Buddy Lee. I I <laughs> I I guess I wear it with a badge of honor. But how did do you remember how that started? Did you guys just see a picture one day and you're like, oh yeah, that's that's Matt, buddy. I mean, for those who don't know, explain to them that whole situation and who Buddy Lee is. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's the Gunga Den jeans or some sort of brand jeans, and they have this mascot called Buddy Lee. <laughs> And he has these suspenders and this red shirt. It's a kind of a farmer uh, boy kind of looking dude. And one day, I don't know what you were wearing, dude. I think we were out, I don't know, having a good time somewhere. And you came in in some jeans. And I think you had like a red plaid shirt on that just (laughs) reminded everybody. I said, dude, you look like Buddy Lee. And then all of a sudden we Googled the dude. And for no joke. The, uh, the 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 outfit you were wearing matched what what he looked like on Google, and so all of a sudden, Buddy Lee just stuck, and so here we are. But you know, I don't know, and you know me, I always look at people and I'll I'll see something and it just reminds me of something, and I'll just blurt it out like I got Tourette's, and then things stick. <laughs> yeah, he's just this like doll, like this little. You know, short, uh, short, chunky guy with almost no hair. And it, yeah, I was like, oh, my goodness, that does look like me. That's scary. <laughs> Especially off on the basketball court running around and, and, and all this of that. So, uh, Mars, you started you started basketball before me. 
uh, I, I came in and uh, worked my way up to, to work some varsity games finally. And, and you were one of the first guys I, I worked with. So tell me about, I guess, just some, some, what, what officiating basketball was like to you. And, and if you have any uh, memories of, of us working together. Oh man, memories. I, I remember everybody that I work with, but uh, you know, I started, I started doing basketball officiating kind of while I was in high school. So I was playing, I was playing basketball in high school and I would show up to this local community center called Bryant Park in Riverside. And it was this guy named Raymond Aguirre who worked there. And the guy still works there. This is so crazy stuff. The dude has been there since he hired me to work there. I worked there as a volunteer, but there was a sixth grade basketball team in the gym that, that uh, was practicing. And he threw me in there to start coaching this team. He said, man, I need a coach. Can you help me out? And I'm like, I can't coach kids. So I started coaching. Yeah. This guy throws me in the gym and says, coach these sixth graders. And so I did, I started coaching them and, and short story, we won a, we won a city championship with this group of ragtag kids from Bryant park. And from there I started officiating. Um, another time there was a, some games going on in the gym and Ray says, Hey man, I need someone to go out there and blow the whistle. I'm like, I don't know what to do because you know the rules of the game. Just go, just go call traveling and fouls and stuff. And I'm like, all right. I went out there and I got hooked. And this was like, I was probably, you know, 17, 18 years old, Matt. And Mm -hmm. from there, I stayed on the coaching scene. You know, I coached basketball at the high school level. I did a lot of NJB stuff in the past. I would do a lot of the rec ball like everyone does. And then eventually, um, you know, I quit because I was coaching at the high school level, but I would stay connected to officials. And then when I lost my coaching job back in 1997, I'll never forget this. I lost my coaching job there and I was coaching at Ramona High School. So I went back to school and I spent several years trying to get my bachelor's degree because I was going to go back and get my job as a coach because the way I lost it was very, very tragic to me. Um, I was a walk-on coach. And so a, a teacher on campus wanted my job and and teachers at that time have priority to be coaches on campuses if they have a credential. And walk-on coaches can be kicked to the curb at any time. As a matter of fact, it's still in the ed code today. That, that hasn't changed, but mm-hmm. um, it doesn't happen as often. But it did happen to me. And I say that to say that um, after I graduated from, from college, uh, I, I decided to come into the Foothill Citrus Unit. A guy named John Guerrero, uh, who I knew for many, many years, brought me in. And that's how I ended up at Foothill Citrus. And that's how I ended up officiating with you. And the rest is history. And I'll tell you what, when I worked with you, you know, I didn't know you at the time. You were a rookie official, I think, you know, young guy coming into Foothill Citrus. And uh, I saw you on my schedule. I didn't know anything about you. And I know you joked about, you know, long pregames, but I had to have long pregames with rookie guys. And I'll tell you what, though, when we went out there and worked, you know, there was a chemistry, Matt, and, and I'll never forget this. You and I just went out there and just worked a game like we had worked a game for years. Mm-hmm. When I got off the floor, I felt really good. And I was like, dude, you, you are all right, you know. And I remember calling our assigner, uh, uh, Mike Kearns, to say, hey, this guy right here is legit. Keep him on, you know. <laughs> and so the rest is history. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this when, uh, and, and I had worked, been working, you know, minor league baseball a couple of years at that point when we kind of got going. And so I had worked football games and basketball. I was kind of just going about my business. And I will say this with basketball, when you show up to work with someone, you, you may know their name you'd never met before, but there's this, there's definitely this like moment of like sizing each other up. Like, like you're in the locker room having a pregame, you're having conversations almost to see how things are go. And, and I, I'm still this way with baseball, even with working with guys like I'm just I'm a lot more carefree. I'm just like, yeah, OK, let's do this. Like we can map out a strategy. But when the ball goes up, I mean, at that point, it's time to react, you know. So working with you and other guys, it usually just took a, a little time at first to be like, OK, yeah, all right, let's let's go do this, you know, because uh, because I've worked with plenty of guys. I'm sure you can relate. You're definitely nervous. You don't know about them. And then you go out on the floor or the field and yeah, you continue to be nervous and worried and frustrated because things don't always mesh and gel like, like, uh, like you mentioned. Well, I think the, one of the things that I always had a rule about, and, and uh, I think you probably had this in, on your repertoire as an official is allow the rookie to make the first call. <laughs> <laughs> and so 
Um, I think there was probably that opportunity where the kids were playing and they were beating each other up and no one would blow the whistle. And I think eventually, I think you ended up having to blow that first whistle and uh, you got to buy the beer and you made the first call. <laughs> Badge of honor. And and to this day, well, even then, uh, stemming probably from my, my uh, physical playing days, you know, I, I was a let them play kind of guy. Like I wasn't very technical as far as, you know, oh, this is that, this is that, you know, with little fouls here and there. So I tried to get the big ones. But yeah, that day I learned a lesson like, oh, I see why he held on to the whistle. We're playing that game. So, okay, no problem. Touche. Cheers, brother. <laughs> no, those are some fun times, man. I, I really enjoy it. But you know, we've always done that, right? Whoever makes that first call, I'll see you at Chili's or Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> just a just a fun little uh little game within the game. And uh, you know, I'm not saying we ignored any any calls. It's about the safety of the student athletes. So uh <laughs> nothing like well, that. It is. <laughs> well, and, and let me let me just clarify some things. I think one of the things that people would understand is yes, we need we we want the athletes to go out and play. The other thing is we the, the fans didn't come watch us, right? Mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. no there's no fan other than maybe a significant other or a close friend that might come watch you, right? But every fan in the stands came to watch their athlete come play. They didn't come to watch the referees. So we shouldn't be the attention of the game. Mm-hmm. Let the kids play, let them have the outcome based on, you know, the skill and experience and, and, and games, you know, how they practice and all of that, that hard work that, that it comes from winning a game. Let the kids do that. We're just there, like you said, to make sure that they play by the rules and don't kill each other out on the floor and everything else is good. Yeah. You know, I, I go into games, not trying to make any friends and, and it's all about, look at me. It's in a two man crew is me and you. It's like, you're the only person I care about out there because Absolutely. I, I hope and pray that you're caring about me and you know what? I don't want to make friends with anyone. I'm not looking to make enemies either, but I know that me walking in the gym, I am already an enemy <laughs> just by guilty by association for wearing the uniform. So when I work a game, I don't care what the sport is. My, my number one thing is, is managing the game, managing people and, and you know, trying to manage uh, emotions and, and sometimes uh, my own as well. Cause you know, as officials, we're, we're human beings, we can get fired up as well. And I think there's a time and a place for that. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things that was nice though, is you say walking in, we're always the enemy, but I think if you and I walked on as a crew on a game and there was coaches that would, you know, allow us into the locker room to get ready to go work our games is that many coaches would see us walk in and felt elated that we were on the game because they knew that we had respect, we had a relationship and they were going to get a good game called. And I think that's an important piece for people that are officials today, that when you walk into that gym, that there's a mutual respect between those coaches and those officials, because at the end of the day, like you said, your partner is your partner and you're going to go out there either on a two man or three man game. And that's the team. And that mm-hmm. you have to be the best team out there. 100%. Yeah. There's, there's three teams and, and you want to be the, the best one. And yeah, I, I will say, you know, officials, there's not this like chip on your shoulder, but you just got to be aware. You got to be a realist and, Yes, 100% be professional because those people who see you, you know, they, they're, they're not your friends necessarily, but they, they appreciate you. Uh, you appreciate them. Uh, you are an impartial judge uh, out there that you have to be. So they're trying to win a game. You got to keep that in mind. I, I think in general, you're just, you got to remember that carry yourself accordingly. I mean, these are, these are like life lessons that have nothing to do almost with officiating, but you got to carry yourself accordingly. Someone's always watching and, and just be, be a professional because people are going to have their issues with you one way or another. But I think everything you do on and off the court is what really matters. Oh yeah. And, and like you said, someone's watching and in today's era of technology, someone's watching somewhere and things can go viral. So your goal is to go out there and work your hardest, do the best you can. I remember when I first started officiating, you know, there wasn't, you know, videotaping like it is today. I mean, people would go out with a VHS recorder and, and record a game, but it wasn't as a big a deal as now that everyone has cameras on phones that they can watch, you know, a game or they can stream it live. They can do all these things. And so you are being watched 24 seven now, even when you don't yeah. think you are. Oh, no, no, without question. And Mars, you know, we, we, uh, we hit it off really well. We started working together and, 
you know, I, I remember it, it was usually like Wednesday nights, you know, he, we didn't always work together. You work with different people, but we'd always meet up because uh, you were it was kind of usually on the way home and, and, and me as well. We kind of meet up somewhere, grab a grab some uh, some dinner at least and a pop or two and just talk about our games. And, you know, that's something that is really well done in football amongst football officials. It's, it's done among baseball officials. I think it is lacking a little bit in, in the basketball world. At least that was my experience, but you were someone who took charge of that. You took some, uh, I guess, uh, responsibility and you really made it an, an effort on Friday nights with a group out who lived by you, uh, different officials, you called them the East Siders and, but everyone was welcome, <laughs> but it was just an opportunity. You took, I, I love that. You took charge and was like, guys, here's where we're going this Friday night after our game. Let's socialize. Let's talk about our games. Uh, and, and those, honestly, Mars, those, I didn't learn as much in, in meetings and, and, and taking tests as I did sharing dinner with some other officials who had other experiences in their game that night that I learned from, or someone gave me advice on some things that happened in mine. So to me, those are the, the best opportunities to learn. And I think not enough officials take advantage of that whole camaraderie concept. Well, I'm glad you said that, Matt, you know, um, I remember being in our Foothill Citrus Association and, you know, the leadership would sometimes meet up after games. You know, what I mean by the leadership is like, you know, the presidents and vice presidents, those are on the board you know, they would come together and they would meet and stuff like that. But it, it seemed like, you know, if you were on leadership and you were just a, you know, just a regular old official, you kind of felt that you didn't want to hang out because you just didn't know what that group, group was going to be like. And it wasn't they were bad people. It's just because you're in leadership, you probably didn't feel comfortable being around those folks. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, yeah, we started the Eastsiders and the Eastsiders happened to be anybody, but it started off with a group of us that lived in the uh, east side of of the Foothill Citrus communities, you know, the border of the 15 freeway, the 210 and that 60 corridor. And yeah, we started to meet up and the whole intent was just to build relationships. And as you said, learn from each other, some practices, some, some ideas, you know, how do you do this? And, you know, like, like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, like the guys like Aaron Schumann, you know, I'm mentioning names mm -hmm. on this podcast, but this is a guy that has worked, you know, several high level, high profile games to have him as a friend and also have him as a mentor to say, mm -hmm. Hey man, how did it feel to, 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 to officiate a modern day and, and to be out there working with those, with those athletes and that coach that was there at modern day, or when you were working those big games at like the Laverne's or the Etiwanda's of the world, you know, how did that feel? And what did you do? And how did you do this? And so exchanging that information was so valuable to not only me as a, as I would say a seasoned official, but a guy like you that just had started at that time and come hang out with us, um, I'm hoping that those conversations were valuable because that was the whole intent. It, it wasn't to, I think there was a group of people thought that we were trying to uh, override the, 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 the association. And that was never the intent. The intent was what you said. It was to really bring people together, create relationships and learn from each other. So I'm glad you said that because that was important in the, in the initiation of this whole thing. Yeah, it wasn't about, you know, uh, separation or anything. It was about unity. And and I was, I didn't live out that way. But there was a few times when I kind of worked the game out that way. I tried to stop by for a little bit because it was fun, man. And you don't always see everyone or work with everyone. So getting to uh, to joke around a little bit, maybe throw some jabs at each other, which I love to do, as you know, uh, you know, make fun of each other. And, and I got to tell you, like you said, you get Aaron Schumann, who works countless high level games. You got yourself, you got other friends. I mean, uh, I was always kind of a, a, everyone looked at me like a baseball guy and I am. And so I did things a little differently, right? Uh, everyone, the beauty of officiating in any sport is that there is a foundation. There is, you know, things that we should all kind of build around and build ourselves up from, but everyone has kind of a different style, maybe different ways they do things. There are things that you could do that I could never get away with. And there's things that, you know, <laughs> I do that maybe not everyone has that right touch or, uh, or, or you know, it's just, it's the beauty of it to me. It's just the various backgrounds, uh, attitudes, just all of those things coming together. And it's really fun when you get to talk about it. Yeah. And, you know, and if you tried to learn from me, I had so many bad habits of, of like mechanics and, 
and things of that nature. I used to always get hammered with my mechanics, you know, so I always try to learn from those that have great mechanics to report a foul and where to stand on the floor. And, you know, the body language that I had was always different than everybody else. You know, I learned from those old school uh, NBA officials, you know, and so watching them, I took in a lot of their stuff. Well, you know, as the evolution of basketball officiating began, uh, they wanted that slim, sleek looking dude. And, you know, I was never that slim, sleek looking guy either. But I always had those those, you know, old school habits. And uh, but they, but they they were they, they worked for me. But at the end of the day, they weren't the right things. But you know what? We made the right calls and had a lot of fun doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's all about fun. And I, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't the guys that say, oh, they do it for free. I, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I get that. We, we've worked plenty of free games, but, you know, you do it to get compensated a little bit, but it's a fun way to make some money. And you know what, man? Uh, just, you know, one thought with, like, play calling. Okay, you, you know, one play goes one way or another, super technical about, you know, a pole, a, a blocking foul, a, a, a push, uh, you know, a little bump here, whatever. To me, it's not so much about the call you made. Because I'll tell you what, non-calls are just as important as as calls. Like those are right. both calls, right? right? You know, right. And so you always have a decision to make, yep. and you're not always going to make the right one. You try. There's a lot of gray areas, so it could be right or wrong, you know. But the most important thing is then what happens after that, and matching up, trying to match up calls, trying to ma- make the manage the game so that people kind of know what to expect. People know how to play in control. Those are the things and the challenges that I looked at. Not like, Oh, did he, did he reach around and barely grab the guy or stuff like that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and see, when you said decisions, you know, and you asked me earlier about, you know, my, my decision-making, even as a, a politician or you know, sit on a school board, those are tough decisions, whether you vote yes, no, or you're indifferent to something, those are decisions mm-hmm. that are being made. And I'll tell you what, those 30, 30 plus years as officiating has helped me in the political realm and vice versa. Decision-making is so important. Whether you made the call or didn't make the call, it could have huge ramifications on a game. It could, it uh-huh. could say, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't make the foul call, right. And it was clearly a foul. The other team possibly could have won for, with some free throws or, you know, if you made the call and it wasn't the right call and you gave a team some free throws, you know, so it has, uh-huh. it has really, outcomes that you just never know about but but here's the thing you do the best you can with the information provided you at that time right and sometimes you didn't see the entire piece of the information you might have been straight lined uh you might have been you know getting yelled at by an official and you're i mean by a coach and you're looking back just for that quick second and you might have missed a grab or a hold or something (laughs) you know so there's human error on every element of the game and i always think that like the athletes when you think of the athletes, when they miss a free throw or they miss a layup, that's human error. When we miss a call, yeah. that's human error. So athletics has a huge piece of human error to it. So it's never going to be perfect. But you said something earlier. It's got to be fun. As long as we keep fun into it, we just <laughs> keep doing this. Yeah. Oh, man, absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a big reason we do a lot of things. And, you know, unfortunately, this time right now with COVID, it, it's tough that a lot of fun has been taken away. And, you know, we're trying to do the best thing we can with and be be healthy and do this, do the right thing. But man, uh, you know, you look back, you know, my friends would in my 20s, they don't go to they like going to parties, or they go, they'd like go to, uh, to I don't know, some clubs or this and that. And, and yeah, those things can be fun. But to me, the most fun on a Friday night was going to work a ball game, and then yep. going to meet up with other officials, uh, even guys who are a lot older than me, and just talk and, and yeah, and, and, you know, have have some uh, refreshments as well. But it just that was the most fun of it. It was like, it's it just, the, the fun and is the relationships and, and real quick, I don't, I don't know about what you think as far as officiating, but you know, as far as managing people and managing the game, there were three things that always that I kind of live by as far as an official that, that I won't tolerate. That's when my, when my radar goes up and it's like, okay, you're, you're about to cross a line. Number one, you're never going to, you're never going to question uh, me hustling. You're never going to question my integrity and you're not going to, you're not going to question my competence. You're not going to say I'm incompetent. Those are kind of three things that when you're, when you're having conversations or or arguments with people, 
uh, okay, we can disagree on calls or this and that. But when you start kind of getting in those personal areas, that to me is where uh, you need to respond. You need to stand up for yourself, but also stand up for for the officiating craft. That's that's at least what, what were my thoughts as far as those types of situations that would come up. Yeah, you know, Matt, you're right. Those three things that you just talked about are are important. You know, a lot of times you you get accused of you're a cheater. Uh, oh no 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 no! Oh no. my god! Like I'm a cheater. Like what are you talking about? You know, because um, mm-hmm. that's never. I I think I would say you know ninety nine point two percent of our of our groups, right? Our our officials are honest, good people. They're not they're not out there to be power hungry. They're not out there to you know, take anything away from anybody. They're just out there to make a little money and be part of something they love. You know, many of us that have officiated, we played. And so our playing days are over. We want to stay connected to the sport. How do we do that? We either do it by umpiring or coaching because those are the two next picks, best things we can do after, after playing. And, yeah. um, and, and the love of the sport, right? Just to stay connected to whatever that might be. For you, it's been, I know baseball has been your biggest, biggest fan. For me, it was basketball. So um, you know, I, I, I did a little bit of football here and there, and I did a little bit of softball umpiring, uh, but, but I, I, basketball was my, my biggest, biggest, uh, piece of officiating. And, and every time I stepped on the floor, I always try to do it with honest and integrity and hustle. And, you know, some yeah. people would walk up and down, like in rec ball, I don't care if I'm getting paid $20 a game or I'm getting paid, I think, what is it now, maybe $80 a game at high school now? I don't know what it is anymore. It's been something like, you know, been, been a while, but I don't care if it's 20 or 80. I still give the same hustle on both types of games, whether it's a rec ball or a high school or college game. And the reason I say that is because the athletes, they don't care. They just want you to give them a fair game and work hard for them. And, and so I, that's the one thing that kind of irritates me is that when I go out and see officials work a game, whether it's rec ball or, or uh, you know, a high-level game, give it your best. You know, and there's some attitudes out there that say, well, minimal pay, minimal effort. Nah, nah. Anytime <laughs> you put on the stripes or the uniform of an official, it's not minimal pay, minimal effort. It's high effort every single minute of the game. Absolutely. 100% agree. Any sport, any level. Uh, you know, speaking of other sports, I know baseball, y- your son – uh, you know, Isaac has, has been doing really well in baseball. It's been fun to kind of see him grow. I haven't had the opportunity to see him play in person yet. I really look forward to that uh, this upcoming year, maybe. Uh, we met, uh, or he came out in, in 2012 when you met me out in spring training that one time, and, and I can't believe how much he's grown uh, as a young man and, and as a baseball player. So as a, as a dad, you just have to be so proud of him. I am very proud of him. It's been a journey. You know, first of all, it's been crazy because, you know, as you know, baseball has not been my number one love of, of sports. You know, I love to watch it. I, I always mm-hmm. enjoyed watching you umpire, you know, when, when we went out to Arizona and watched you work those uh, games. Uh, my family just enjoyed watching you. And then we got to see the, the big major league players play and, and, and the intimate level of, of connection that the players have with the fans during spring training was just an amazing experience. But I say this to say that, you know, basketball has been my love, and I always wish that Isaac would have played basketball, but he loves baseball. And I'll tell you what, because of his love for baseball, I've now learned to love baseball. And so I, I'll watch major league stuff. I'll watch the little league stuff. I watch the college stuff now. And it's just – it's fun, right? It's a slow game, but it really is neat to see because I understand it more because I've been able to understand it through my son. Um, he's a freshman this year. And unfortunately, because of COVID, we didn't get to see him play his true spring season, which would have been his first freshman season as a spring athlete here in in the community of Fontana. But, you know, I also feel for those uh, peers of his that were seniors that this was their last year and they didn't get to finish their season. And and I can tell you that the team that Isaac plays for, you know, he plays for Summit. I'll be, you know, transparent. Summit High School in, in Fontana. Uh, the coach there, Sam Lopez, has turned that program around. And last year, they made it to the semifinals, and they lost to Kennedy High School from Anaheim, which is a phenomenal mm. program. They lost by two runs in the semis. This year, they were hoping to to have a return appearance and maybe make the finals. 
and those kids didn't get a chance to finish. But baseball has been a great journey for me. I mean, to watch my son from T-ball through Little League, and now he's playing high school ball. And he's not like the number one baseball athlete, but I'll tell you what, he puts a lot of work in. He's got great friends through the process, and we've met some great coaches through the process. Definitely, Mars. You know, baseball is uh, baseball is a different animal. It really is. And growing up, you know, I played just about everything. And I got to tell you, baseball was the last sport I thought I would pursue at the highest levels and and work more and and work the longest. And it's just funny how life is. Sometimes you talk not being much of a fan of it as much, but then your your son it grows in it. I had no idea. I, I didn't think. Eh, baseball, yeah, it's slow. And I, I started to fall more in love with it as I was in college. And then as I jumped into umpiring and, and pursued it at higher levels, uh, yeah, it just became like this. It, it was attached to me and, and I couldn't break away from it. I've stepped away from football. I've stepped away from basketball. Uh, you know, as of now, it's, uh, it's just a for now type of situation, maybe temporary, maybe go back. I don't know. But baseball still... Uh, the thing for me that is that uh, I just can't break away from. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I know baseball, it's weird. I look back on however long it's been, 15, almost 20 years, and I I would have never imagined myself being involved in baseball this way. So for you, I totally can relate <laughs> to your feelings about uh, watching your son play and watching him grow into the sport so much. Well, yeah, and I get to watch my favorite player every time I, I see baseball, you know, at the high school level now. Uh, it's it's just been fun. And, you know, my son was fortunate to be an all-star in the Little League and to watch him through that through that process, uh, it's just been great. But the camaraderie amongst the players is just an amazing thing. And I think that happens in every sport. But to see him interact the way he does with his teammates, because I think that's the only thing he really enjoys about school, you know, because we were just having a, a conversation, <laughs> intimate conversation. Like, so what do you miss most about school right now? And his answer was just straight out nothing. I'm like, nothing not even baseball and he's like oh no baseball is not part of school dad i'm like it's a school team he's like yeah but it's it's different dad you don't understand and i and i kind of do understand him though because it's it's different there is a camaraderie that comes from playing the game you know what i mean it's it's different than the educational process but i don't think he sees it right now as a freshman right like i think as he becomes you know maybe a sophomore junior senior he goes through his process in high school he'll start seeing the connection but um, it, it has been a great journey as a dad. I'll tell you that. It's awesome. Awesome experience. Thank you for asking me about that. Oh, good. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. He was a, he was a fun, uh, fun little kid. He's growing into a young man right now. And I remember him behind the, behind the plate, behind the net with you and some of his friends yelling at me, uh, oh, making man. funny faces as a little kid, just at San Bernardino or Rancho Cucamonga when I was in the Cal League. And it just like, Man, that kid's growing up now, and I have I have a, a cousin, a cousin's son who's very similar in his age, going to be a sophomore this year, and really involved in baseball. So I can relate a little bit, but uh, it's so fun to see him doing well. I'm really happy that you and your family are doing so well, Mars. It's been so fun to catch up with you. I really hope we can, uh, you know, get together maybe soon after all this is done. I think that would be a lot of fun. I think so too, and I, I just want to say this to you. Um, I think you have been a major influence in my son's baseball career because of what you just said. I mean, there were times where you say, you know, Mars, I'm going to go work a game here locally. Uh, I can get you on a list and you would hook us up and we'd go and, and you know, berate you <laughs> behind behind home plate. But but I think those experiences, Matt, you know, the opportunities to go out like we did to, to Arizona and then to, to watch you in the Cal League work those games locally. Um, I think that was a major influencer for my son, Isaac. So I just wanted to thank you for that as well, because I, I don't know that I ever have done that. And, and because I have this opportunity, uh, you, you are probably one of the biggest reasons why he's in, in baseball as well as because of that influence. Wow, Mars, that, that, uh, no, that truly means a lot. And, and uh, it's very special to hear. So thank, thank you so much. And, and a big shout out to him as well. Uh, I, I wish him the best. I wish you the best. Uh, I, I, Let's definitely get together uh, at a Chili's or a Red Robin or wherever. Uh, I'll let you decide since you're the East, East Sider <laughs> coordinator. Even though we're not doing basketball, I'll let you decide. But I can promise you this, Mars, uh, first round's on you. And you know what? And I'd be honored to do that. You know, I have honorary privileges to the East Siders. Uh, 
I think Aaron <laughs> Schumann and, and John Lewis have taken on the reins of making sure that our guys get together and our gals too, right? Our ladies and gentlemen come together to uh, network and, and have fun on those Friday nights. But uh, I have honorary membership to the East East Siders Foothill Citrus <laughs> BOA. <laughs> No doubt, my friend. Well, it has been so much fun. Uh, can't wait to share a tall, cold one with you. And we will do that very soon. Thank you so much for coming on the program. Thank you for having me, Matt. It's been an honor and a pleasure to be with you today. Take care, Mars. All right, brother. Take- well, thanks again, Mars Cerna. So much fun chatting with you. Can't wait to talk to you again soon. Hope to see you and your family very soon as well. Uh, Good luck to everything you're doing, and uh, I'm very happy to call you my friend, my colleague, uh, all of the above. Good seeing you, good talking with you. Hope to do it again very soon. Well, guys, that will wrap up another week of shows here on the Get Home Safe podcast. As I mentioned in our opening, we will be back on Monday, June 1st. Can't wait to start a new week and a new month with our full slate of shows. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest for next week. On Monday, we'll be joined by Chris Mayer. He is a college football official, a college baseball official, one of the only guys I know who does it uh, multiple sports at a very high level. He has some experience in some some radio, uh, a couple other different things he's done. He's a very passionate guy about the officiating craft. Looking forward to that conversation. It was a rather fun one and, and one that I think you will all find a little, uh, little uh, entertaining, we'll say. So he will start us off on Monday. Tuesday, we're joined by Eddie Garcia. He is a guy I coached when he was in junior high. Uh, saw him grow into quite a young man in his high school years, and and now that he's uh, living the adult life, he'll he'll talk some Rondo Prep sports with us. Uh, just his days from the the past and growing up in Care Youth League, and just all the uh, the many blessings he's he's received through his life, and just really fun to talk with him about some some of the old days and some of his old uh, playing days for sure. Looking forward to that one with Eddie on Tuesday. Wednesday, well, you know what that means, Bill Barnes. He's back again for the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. We'll have plenty to talk about, I'm sure, with everything that's going on around the country. More of the same, more of uh, new things as well. (laughs) We'll chat up, chat it up with uh, the retired police officer. He's here every single Wednesday with us. Thursday, we'll be joined by Rich Padilla. Rich is a former retired college baseball umpire. He now is a baseball assigner at the community college level. He also does a lot of observing for umpires at the Division II level, even Division I. Uh, Just an all-around baseball guy. Been around college baseball a long time, so that's going to be a lot of fun to chat with him about baseball and you know this time of the year we should be rolling into the uh, regionals for for the guys who work postseason and everything so let's let's bring on a baseball guy to chat some some college baseball with us on next Thursday Friday we'll be joined by Joe Baldino Joe is a former college football official he also played some college baseball he now uh, officiates high school football only I want to talk with him a lot about kind of the transition in going from high school to college football, kind of all the different responsibilities and things off the field you need to do in college football, and just kind of why it's not for everyone, you know what I mean? He is also, or I should say his dad was a minor league umpire and with was good friends with uh, the late great uh, major league umpire, um, uh, excuse me, drawing a blank, Eric Gregg, uh, they were good friends. So Joe's going to talk to us a lot about what the interactions with Eric were like over the years and just kind of being able to uh, to follow them around when he was working Major League Baseball games. A lot of fun conversations and topics. Uh, Joe, Joe uh, will, will be our guest on Friday. Looking forward to that. That's our full slate of guests. I will post those on Friday. Uh, or excuse me, I will post those on Saturday on a Facebook and our Twitter page. We'll, we'll kind of always do that over the weekend, give you a guest list, if you will, just for, for who's coming up and who you know to look for. And as I mentioned in the opening, you can go back and listen to our previous shows uh, at any time as well. We go through the Anchor app, but wherever you listen, Apple, Spotify, uh, we appreciate the listenerships. I do want to make one mention of uh, a website, a Facebook page I found out about recently. 
It's actually operated by my cousin, Erin Neely. She runs uh, like a home goods store. It's called Bird and Bell. It is a, it's a Facebook page, Bird, B-I-R-D, and Bell, B-E-L-L-E. That's the name of their Facebook page. Check it out. If you're looking for some homemade uh, and curated home decor, maybe some flea market uh, finds, everything is kind of like beach related, like down, down in Newport Beach, a lot of uh, uh, seashore type merchandise. Give it a look-see. They have a, uh, they have a Bird and Bell Facebook page. Their website is www.birdbellshop.com. Dot com And the bell is with an E at the end, so don't forget that. I'm sure you can find it either way. But just wanted to uh, promote my cousin up a little bit as I heard she was selling a bunch of items down there in, in Orange County and, and online. So if you can get, check it out, uh, maybe uh, you'll find something you'd like there. Um, as always, guys, you can follow us on Twitter, Get Home Safe Pod. Our, e- our Facebook page and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. We talked about our slate of guests for next week already. We're, we're starting to work uh, in some more new interviews for the following week. Got some people in mind, but if you have any suggestions or you'd like to be on the program, reach out to me and we'll see if we can work something out. Set some time aside to, to do a recording and, and make it happen. We generally record eh, probably a week or so out before uh, somebody gets gets a uh, posted uh, online with an episode but it just gives us time to kind of mesh things together and we got to work out on this this sound system this uh you know bear with us trying to work through it figure out what the uh, what the kinks are and everything anyway let's wrap things up that'll wrap us up today and for this week thank you so much for being a part of the program looking forward to a new month starting next week let's get it going but first let's take a quick break over the weekend and recharge watch some ufc really looking forward to that um you know it's going to be great to uh, have live sports again real soon can't wait to see it all it's uh, we're going in a good direction let's keep it going but guys whatever you're doing whether you're out in the town or around in third base get home safe